Want ideas to grow your ministry and engage your supporters? Coming to you from QT4CM.org. This is the Quick Tips for Christian Ministry podcast. And here's your host, David Allen. Hello, friends. You will remember that in Episode 9, we talked about the elephant in the room, Christian ministry teams that are experiencing internal conflict. Many of you sent us your stories and requests for more tips on how to survive in toxic organizations. It is a sad fact that organizations, even ministry organizations, are human, and being human there is a tendency for conflict. You can relate, right? Well, we have Dr. Ken Thiessen of Power of One Consulting joining us again to give his insights on managing team conflict and anxiety in a healthier way so that you can more fully live out God's call to love Him and to love each other. Ken came into ministry after a very successful sales career. He pastored for 20 years and then took on a denominational leadership role. In 2010, he started Power of One Consulting, and he now coaches churches and nonprofit organizations in the area of strategic planning, governance, and organizational health. So, Ken knows a thing or two about managing teams, and you're going to appreciate his insights that have come out of his multiple decades worth of his ministry leadership experience. Hello, Ken, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks, David, for the introduction. And uh, what I want to do in this podcast is to talk a little bit about how anxiety dominates much of the decision-making processes and relationships within the context of faith-based ministries and congregations as a whole. This uh, came out of my doctor of ministry work that I did uh, at Cary Theological College. In my major project, I focused on how power functions in the context of of congregational systems. And um, as I was doing my research, uh, one of the things I began to realize is that, you know, a lot of times power becomes a way of managing anxiety. And one of the books that I uh, used in my research, uh, I bought based on the title alone. It's written by Jeffrey Miller. It's called The Anxious Organization, Why Smart Companies Do Dumb Things. And uh, one of the quotes that he has, I think, was just really, really captures kind of the essence of uh, anxiety. He said, any living organism that is not anxious is on its way to being extinct. In everything that lives, anxiety is a fundamental expression of the survival instinct. Now, when we talk about uh, congregations or Christian ministries, the issue is not that they're anxious. It's about the ways in which they try to manage their anxiety and keep it at bay, usually in unhealthy ways that don't honor God or each other. What I want to do for you is outline kind of the five common ways that anxiety manifests itself in uh, congregations or Christian ministries. And most times, people who are part of those organizations and congregations don't even think twice about it because this is just the way we do things around here. But one of the first ways in which it manifests itself is triangulation. And what triangulation is, is in these kinds of uh, organizations and congregations, People talk about people rather than to people. So if I have an issue with you, I'm not going to talk to you about it because I'm way too anxious about doing that. I don't know how you're going to respond. You may just kind of blow me off and say, Ken, you're crazy. And so it's much easier for me to talk to somebody else about you than it is to talk directly to you. This happens in almost every organization, whether it's faith-based, a church, a ministry, a business, and we just get used to it and we accept it. This is what we do. It's way easier to talk to somebody about somebody else than it is to talk to the person that we have an issue with. 
The second issue, uh, way in which it manifests itself, is uh, called self-differentiation. And what that means is that relationship is contingent on agreement. If you and I are going to have a relationship, we have to agree on it. We have to be together on it. There's no room for anybody within the organization to take a dissenting point of view. It is about the collective we, and there is no room for anybody to be an individual within the context of that congregation or that ministry. And what that does is it stifles independent thinking. And relationship is contingent on us agreeing. If you, if you have a different point of view than I do, well, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to cut off relationship because it's way too, creates way too much anxiety for me to kind of try and figure out how do we navigate this relationship when we disagree. The third way that anxiety manifests itself is in the area of blaming and scapegoating. Some organizations are toxic, and their big question is always, who did it? Who's the one who made this mess? And what they're looking for is they're looking for somebody to blame and somebody to scapegoat. And when it comes to Christian organizations, this is even biblical. In the Old Testament, the priest would lay his hands on a goat and transfer all of the sins of the people onto this goat, and then they would send this scapegoat out into the wilderness. Organizations that are highly anxious are always looking for somebody to blame or scapegoat. And if we find out who the problem is, well, then we know what the solution is. We no longer have to think about it. If I'm the problem, well, then I just have to change. I just need to fix my issues. And nobody else needs to worry about it because it has all been transferred to me. Well, the reality is, is that problems are never as simple as being just one person. It's not to say one person doesn't have an influence, but problems are always bigger than one individual. And in anxious congregations, anxious ministries, there is a propensity to look for somebody to blame and somebody to scapegoat. The fourth way in which anxiety manifests itself is what's called multi-generational transmission process. And what this looks like in a church context is, well, you know, our problem is the pastor. We just need to get a new pastor. Or the pastor says, well, I've got some problem board people, and I just need to get rid of these board people and get some new people on board, and then everything will be better. Well, guess what? The pastor leaves, or the board members leave, and new people come into those spots, and more often than not, what you see in those organizations and those congregations is that the problems perpetuate. Now, Was the pastor a part of the problem? Was the board member a part of the problem? Absolutely. Were they the sum total of the problem? Absolutely not. So when you find an organization, a church, or a ministry where they're always looking to replace, quote-unquote, the problem person once they've identified who that person is, recognize that what's at stake there is really anxiety. Because... If I can't handle the person who's leading this and I think they're the problem, well, the way I deal with my anxiety is, well, let's just get rid of them. And then it smooths the water, we're back to status quo, and we live with the illusion that somebody new is going to come in and things are going to be fundamentally different. The fifth way in which anxiety manifests itself is in what's called overfunctioning and underfunctioning. Overfunctioners are people who can never let a ball drop. They are the first people to jump in and to volunteer to do something, whether they're gifted to do that or whether they've got whether they're called by God to do that. They are the first ones to jump in. They tend to take responsibility for situations and for people that they are not responsible for. 
in churches, we tend to honor these kind of people because they get stuff done. And it looks so good from the outside. But what's motivating them is not a sense that God's called me to do this or God's gifted me to do this. What's motivating them is this profound sense of anxiety. And so the way in which they manage the anxiety is that they have to begin to take control. And the way they do that is by getting involved in doing stuff. Now, the flip side of that is the more you have over-functioners uh, in your congregation or your ministry context, the more you have under-functioners, people who sit on the sidelines. I don't have to worry about that because John's going to take care of that or Sally's going to take care of that. And I'll let them do it because <laughs> guess what? I keep my head down, my mouth shut. I never get in trouble. I'm never going to get blamed for anything because I, can't, I don't do anything. Triangulation self-differentiation, blaming and scapegoating, and multi-generational transmission process and over-functioning and under-functioning. I'll tell you a story. I do a lot of consulting work with uh, faith-based nonprofits and churches, and not long ago I was uh, working with a church, and they had some issues. That's why they called me. If things were going fine, they wouldn't have been in touch with me. And so um, I've developed an, a survey that uh, I can use with organizations and churches about that helps them identify um, which of these five patterns are most prominent in their particular congregation or ministry context. And probably 50% of the adult congregation responded to this survey. And the results were incredible because as we went through each of these five areas and the questions that they responded to, there was an overwhelming sense in the responses that, yes, we are a highly anxious congregation and we're managing this our anxiety in ways that are not healthy. Now, they, they would never have said, we are anxious. But as we went through the survey and I gave them the, res the results and, and showed them the picture of how they had responded as a congregation, there was this profound sense of, wow, that you could just feel in the group. And I've done this with a number of churches and ministry organizations. And when I do this survey and, and they see the results, a common response I hear is people will say, you know, I thought I was the only one who saw it that way. And when they see the results of the survey, they realize we're no longer, I'm not the only one who sees this way. There's a whole bunch of other people who see it the same way. Why is it that we can't talk about this? Why is it that we cannot develop more healthy ways of relating in the context of our church or in our ministry? Anxiety, more often than not, dominates most decision-making processes in churches and Christian ministries. And as much as we would say we are people who are driven by a faith in God and a love for Him and a love for each other, what drives our decision-making processes is none of those. What drives our decision-making processes is how can we make a decision that will upset as few people as possible? And it really begs the question, when Jesus was asked by one of the religious leaders, Teacher, what is the most important commandment? Jesus said, the first is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is equal. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater command than these. So a question I would pose to you is if God's call to us, if Jesus said the main thing is to love God and to love each other, how does talking about you rather than to you reflect a love for God or a love for you? 
how does demanding that you and I always have to agree on everything in order to maintain relationship, how does that reflect loving God and loving you? And if I, my propensity is to always look for somebody else to blame, someone else to scapegoat, how does that reflect loving God and loving you? Is that to say that I'm never responsible? I'm completely, I mean, I think Scripture is pretty clear there was only one perfect person who lived, and that was Jesus. And if my propensity is always to find somebody else to blame and scapegoat, maybe I'm not really living out what it means to love God and to love other people. And if my propensity and our, your organization's propensity is to continually identify who the problem person is and then replace that problem person and think that somehow that's the solution, how does that reflect loving God and loving other people? And if I am an overfunctioner, somebody who always has to take responsibility for stuff that really isn't my responsibility, and you're willing to just sit there and let me do that, how are you loving me? Now, what you'll find with an overfunctioner is if you're going to start to challenge them, they will get very, very angry. Or if they're picking up all of the balls that are dropping, what will happen is they'll eventually get very, very bitter and manipulative. And they'll use guilt to motivate other people. I am doing so much, and everybody else is doing so little. And what they don't realize is how what's motivating them is not a love for God or a love for other people. What's motivating them is their own anxiety. One of the things I want to uh, make available to you if you're interested in it is uh, I've written a book uh, called The Anxious Congregation, Manage Your Fear Before It Manages You. It's available on Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, and it's also available in Kindle version. I outline kind of how this works itself out, and I've written it kind of as a fable. There's uh, this hypothetical church, and I intersperse a, a chapter of the story of the church, and then we go into the theory and back into the story. But I've developed a survey, and if you're interested in completing that survey, I want to make that available to you. And if you can go onto my website, www.anxiouscongregation.com, and under the resources tab, click on there, you know, survey, um, take the survey, click on that link, send me an email, give me the name of your organization, and I will set up uh, the survey for you, send you the link for it, and I would be happy to do a debrief with uh, your leadership team, your board, whatever the structure is after we get the results in, and begin to talk through um, how anxiety manifests itself in, in, uh, in your congregation or your ministry. So I was writing this book and I was meeting with my graphic designer who wasn't a person of faith, but I described to her, I said, you know, the image I have of that I think would fit the cover is the disciples in the boat in the middle of the storm, terrified to death that they're going to die. These were seasoned fishermen. They'd been on the water. The waves were real. The winds were real. Their fear was real. And Jesus is sound asleep in the boat. In the midst of the storm, he is totally calm. And his response to them as they screamed out, don't you care that we're going to die? And he says, where is your faith? You know, and the, the power of that image is that it doesn't matter how much your boat is rocking. If Jesus is in the boat, he can handle the storm. The question is, do people like you and me have the faith to trust Jesus, to 
to handle the storms that are a part of your life, that are a part of my life, that are a part of your church's life, that are a part of your ministry's life. The more we can learn to identify the ways in which we're trying to manage our anxiety systemically in a way that is unhealthy, the more we'll be able to live into Jesus' call to love God, to love other people, to have a healthier culture within the context of our ministry and our church, and ultimately have a bigger kingdom impact as we live that out and model it for a watching world that we're trying to serve, whether it's through a ministry or a local congregation. Once again, if you're interested in taking the survey, visit my website, www.anxiouscongregation.com. Click on the Take the Survey link. It'll generate an email. Give me the name of your organization. I can set it up. would be happy to have you take that and then do a debrief with you and give you uh, an overview of the results of, uh, of your survey for your organization, your ministry, or your congregation. What I'm going to do in subsequent sessions is I'm going to go into more detail in each of these five different kind of ways in which anxiety manifests itself and give you a bit more content in terms of what that looks like and what what might it look like to respond and to manage anxiety in a healthier way so that you could more fully live out God's call to love him and to love each other. God bless you in your ministry. And uh, look forward to hearing from from many of you as you take advantage of uh, the opportunity to do a little bit of self-assessment, to grow in your own kind of sense of living together, doing ministry together, relating in ways that honor each other and that honor God. That was Dr. Ken Thiessen of Power of One Consulting. You can get the links to Ken's survey and resources through our show notes at qt4cm.org. We would like to thank the sponsor of this podcast, the Great Commission Foundation. The Great Commission Foundation provides financial management, administrative services to ministries, and handles charity donation receipting and government compliance in both the United States and Canada. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Quick Tips for Christian Ministry podcast. We would value your feedback by taking our one-question survey. You'll find the link in our show notes at qt4cm.org. Until next time, be encouraged. God is with us. Serve with joy.